the bell is rung. Welcome to another edition of In Ring Reality. I, of course, am Razman's Reality, and this is your SmackDown review for the February 26, 2019 episode, where SmackDown, to be honest, felt like a bit of a Twilight zone episode. Like, everything in it worked, but should it have worked? And what was the point behind it? So let's break this down. The show opens up with the contract signing between Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan for Fastlane. And Stephanie Man and Shane Van are in the ring. There's a wonderful Kofi Kingston video package that's played. They're really putting over Kofi tremendously well and hard over everything that's happened in the last few weeks to make him an overnight 11 year sensation and most deserving of this spot as number one contender for the WWE title at Fastlane. Kofi is about to sign his name on the dotted line for the contract when all of a sudden no chance. That's what you got. Vince McMahon comes out and he says, hey Kofi, you know I really appreciate everything you've done for the company. You are a tremendous worker. You've done so much. You've been so loyal to us. Thank you for everything that you've done these past 11 years. But I'm replacing you in this match with someone who, quite frankly, I feel is more deserving than you of this WWE Championship opportunity. And he brings back a returning Kevin Owens and names KO as the number one contender at Fastlane for Daniel Bryan and the WWE Championship. Now, this, of course, is very reminiscent to what happened with Charlotte Flair in the Charlotte Ronda Becky Women's Raw Championship storyline. The difference here, however, is that character-wise, Kevin Owens is making it abundantly clear that he's only taking advantage of the opportunity that Mr. McMahon has afforded him because he immediately goes to Shane and Stephanie in their office to say, I know you guys weren't aware of that. Did you see that cocky look on the faces of Daniel Bryan and Rowan when I signed? I want a team with Kofi in the main event and I want to take on Daniel Bryan and Rowan. So let me jump forward to the main event so I can tie and bookend the two bookends together really well for you. That match does happen and it was a solid tag team match and Kofi and KO really worked well together and KO debuts a new finisher as he is now using a version of a Stone Cold Stunner rather than the Papa Powerbomb. I guess to solidify that he's now a face and the Papa Powerbomb is going to be his heel maneuver. But he really worked well with Kofi. Really put over Kofi hard. Even at one point hard tagging Kofi by slapping him in the back. Not in a condescending way but in a way to make sure he was okay after taking a major beating in the match. And then he turns to Kofi and says if I win at Fastlane I'm giving you a title shot. So this was totally meant to make the fans feel like oh no here we go again with Vince McMahon being so out of touch but in this case we have a superstar who doesn't like the decision and Kevin Owens and this was such an interesting character wrinkle and why 
I said it was a little bit Twilight Zony because you had a clear heel authority figure in Vince McMahon, but a clear face wrestler being the beneficiary of it in Kevin Owens. So we'll have to wait and see where this goes. My hope is that this opens the door for Kofi Kingston to face Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, which is what everybody wanted anyway, and why some of us were kind of upset that Kofi was being put in the fast lane position because we'd rather him be in the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania. So I'll have to wait and see where this all leads. Could it be a triple threat at WrestleMania? Maybe KO isn't done with the title. We'll have to wait and see. But I really like this new version of Kevin Owens. It really does play off that everyman promo a little bit. But at the same time, it really didn't. Because, again, would that everyman have been okay with just being handed an opportunity? Like I said, it was a very Twilight zone type of feel to it. But I do like where it's going, and we'll have to wait and see how things progress. And the Twilight Zoney aspect of SmackDown did not stop there, because we were originally advertised to have a match, a singles match, between Cesaro and Johnny Gargano, with Tommaso Ciampa and Sheamus in their respective corners. Well, card's subject to change because the bar comes out, and, well, I shouldn't say comes out, the camera pans to the bar because they already came out but it pans to the bar says the bar graphic so okay the bar's in a tag match maybe champ and gargano are going to team up after all that's the card subject to change well then all of a sudden we hear jeff hardy's music and we're like why is jeff hardy coming out here for a tag team match well who's he flanked by but matt hardy that's right matt hardy apparently can wrestle after all, and his spinal fusion pelvis scenario isn't bad as he originally thought it was going to be because he came out returning to the nostalgia act Hardy Boy alongside Jeff, sort of forgoing the Woken Broken Universe Matt Hardy. I hope that's not a permanent thing because I'm a huge fan of that character and I think it suits Matt much better and nostalgia runs never really work because they're just that and they're not meant to be long-term pieces in anything for a long period of time but it was cool to see Matt and was very unexpected and completes this Twilight zone type of feel that Smackdown started out with so we'll have to wait and see where this goes WWE's out of tag team titles though, unless they do a face versus face feud with the Usos and the Hardys at Mania. I'm not really quite sure what the point was of this. Oh wait, actually, I do know what the point of this was. And yes, if you can't pick that up in audio form, because I know it's not always easy listening to a podcast that was being completely sarcastic there in that instance, as this was blatantly WWE preventing the Hardy Boys from leaving. As in the past 24 hours or so, a tweet surfaced that was since deleted by Matt Hardy where he talked about flashing back to being an independent champion, a dual independent champion a couple of years ago, saying he's always been very happy outside the walls of WWE and that the Hardys only had 11 days 
left on their contract. But both sides reportedly this whole time were working on an agreement and that agreement is coming in the form of WWE exercising a contractual clause for the Hardy Boys that will allow them to remain under contract for another full year with a substantial salary increase. Why WWE let this happen so soon before the contract was to expire or so close to the contract expiring is what I'm meaning to say is really unclear. It's very uncharacteristic of them. But this was clearly the case of, okay, we have to ease the Hardy Boys because we don't want them going to AEW because we know that they actually managed to make Impact relevant a number of years ago. So, Lord knows, they have a built-in rivalry with their friends, the Young Bucks. If they go to AEW, we can't have that. So, the Hardy Boys are a team, again, now on SmackDown. But like I said, out of tag team titles, so it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. Speaking of titles, the next segment was a returning R-Truth as he appeared on our screens again. That's right, remember, he's the United States Champion. He comes out and says his hero since he was a little psych has been John Cena, even though he's several years older than John Cena, which of course is meant to be comedically hilarious, which is exactly how it came off because the entire ensuing match he was doing John Cena's signature maneuvers and mannerisms. But he comes out, reinstates the United States Open Challenge, which is answered first by Andrade, then Rey Mysterio takes out his rival, Andrade. He slides in the ring saying, I'm accepting this United States Open Challenge. R-Truth turns to Carmella and's like, hey, Carmella, what would John Cena do in this situation? And Carmella's like, John Cena would defend the title against both men. And R-Truth, in a very funny R-Truth way, was like, really? Both of them? I was actually sort of thinking, no thank you, no thank you. But you know what? Okay, John, I'm going to make you proud. Let's do it. And the bell rings. Very underrated worker that R-Truth is. I think people forget about how good he is because WWE buried him for so many years. He held his own pretty well with Andrade and Rey Mysterio here. And this was a very entertaining triple threat which led to R-Truth retaining as he's able to pin Rey Mysterio who was focused on Andrade at the time. So the Andrade Mysterio View continues. Maybe R-Truth is now in the middle of it. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with that, but this was a very entertaining matchup. Then the most annoying heel in WWE, the woman who does her job better than just about anybody in the business right now, the one and only, the Queen Charlotte Flair, comes out doing the Queen Charlotte Flair things commenting on what happened on Raw where she talked about Ronda surrendering the Raw Women's Championship and saying she's going to go to Raw on Monday and allow Vince to crown her the new Raw Women's Champion. So this solidifies what I mentioned yesterday. We are finally going to get at least a lead toward the end game, if not announcement 
of the end game in this entire Becky Ronda Charlotte scenario next Monday. So again, Charlotte does a beautiful job of making me hate her guts, and that's exactly what a heel is supposed to do. Well done to Charlotte Flair. Next up, Alistair Black and Ricochet had a great solid tag team match again like i said i really like them as a dual act even though that's not what i would do with them but they have great tag team chemistry this time they defeat the team of the former united states champions who were just randomly thrown together because well they're former united states champions and suddenly they respect each other of course i'm talking about shinsuke nakamura and rusev yes the night of we're going to use talent we haven't used in a couple weeks on TV continued as Nakamura and Rusev showed up to take on this team. And I give this team a lot of credit because they put on a tremendous match here and overcame an absolutely horrid, and I'm not exaggerating on that at all, but a horrid backstage promo segment with Lana earlier in the evening where Lana's like, you guys are nothing special, I don't fear you. And Alistair Black was like, Rusev's going to fade to black. And then Ricochet was like, you know what my favorite part about people telling me that I'm too small and that I don't belong is, is proving them wrong and seeing the look on their faces when they notice it, just like you're going to see it here momentarily in our match. It was a horrible, horrible scripted segment. Alistair Black and Ricochet should not be doing things like that It really really was totally cringeworthy but like I said it was a good solid match that overcame the problems with that segment and then it was the main event segment that we mentioned earlier so this episode of Smackdown was very Twilight Zoney. I know I've said that term several times in this podcast but I couldn't think of another word to present it in terms of how I felt because there were things, as I mentioned in the onset, that really worked here. And this was a really good episode of SmackDown. Almost a fantastic episode of SmackDown. But, here's the thing. I don't think that these angles should have worked. Like I said in the beginning, there were elements that worked. But should they have worked? No. Because Aleister Black and Ricochet should not be together. They should be single stars. The Hardy Boys should not be a nostalgia act, but people forgot about that momentarily. And Kofi Kingston definitely should not have been replaced by Kevin Owens. But because of the way Kevin Owens played this character, it all really worked out really, really well. So, all in all, this was a great episode of SmackDown. Another four out of five weekly episode from WWE. But it was so strange because I shouldn't have liked this episode. So my question for all of you, my listeners out there, which if you weren't aware, you can get in touch with the podcast via email at inringrealitypodcast at gmail.com or on social media at inringreality on Twitter and Instagram. My question to all of you out there is, have you ever had an episode of wrestling or a pay-per-view in wrestling that felt like this? Like... I really liked this episode, but I shouldn't have liked it on paper because nothing that happened should have worked. So, do you let me know what you felt about that question and overall about this episode of SmackDown. 
please, if you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe in your preferred podcast listening platform. We got the approval from TuneIn, so everything that our carrier anchor.fm will allow us to be a part of as far as being able to access this podcast is now available, so there isn't, or there shouldn't be, I should say, a major podcast listening platform that we're not available on now, so make sure you hit that subscribe button, and like I always say, please, even if you don't use them as your preferred listening type, please leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Help the algorithm and help spread the word about this program so we can continue to grow and do awesome things. I will see you tomorrow with the NXT and NXT UK review episode. And as always, this has been your Razman's Reality Check.